Ready on the roar. They come short. They come through. Vunavalu gets up. Who's it coming back for? Australia is the answer. Whoa, do we have time for the scrum? Do we have time for the scrum? One final play. Just double check here, boys. Herder's gone before the whistle, so therefore that is full time. Boys, that is full time. Eddie Jones and his men have crushed the Wallabies party. The Elamobs Cup is going to England. Yes, they've done it. England have claimed the Elamobs Trophy Series with their 21-17 win over Australia in the third and deciding test tonight at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Brett McKay with you for the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. And I'm joined by raw rugby expert Jim Tucker, my regular Raw Rugby podcast co-host, Harry Jones, for this, the final instant reaction to England's series win. Oh, I don't know about you, Jim, but that's that's a hard hard one to take, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you talk about the spectacle. It was compelling. There were You could hear the noise, um, whether you're live or watching it or listening to it on radio, just the, the absolute, um, what it meant to both sides, just yeah. flooded through the TV. But in the end, with all those things around, you've got to still nail your chances. And Australia can't have two tests in a series of three and lament the chances that they blew. And, and that's simply it. You, you have to be um, uh, without fear or favour in, in your judgment. Yeah. Australia had the chances. Uh, that Reese Hodge stinker over the sideline with Tom Wright, that, that was awful yeah. in the first 10 minutes. Um, and huge credit to England, like uh, stalling some of... Uh, the lineouts that didn't even become drives late in the game. Yeah, uh, those thieving hands on ball, always uh, that they were exceptionally well drilled. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, it's lament is the word, Harry. This is going to be the, the the one that got away for the Wallabies, isn't it? Yeah, it's the hardest ones to take. Yeah. Uh, I really feel for my Australian brothers and sisters today because <laughs> this is the kind of loss when you look back and you replay it, and the players will do this maybe for years and mm. say that was right in our hands when you mm. when you camp out in someone else's 22 for that long and you keep you know bashing down doors and you just cannot get over the line yeah. there was a lack of inventiveness there was a lack of bloody mindedness there was a lack of uh, spatial awareness and there was sometimes a lack of context like what are we doing here yeah. you know what's the time and uh, so you look at leadership, I guess. Yeah, yeah. To give you an idea of, of how how much they were camped in England's line, uh, in, in England's half, for particularly the second half, they had the Wallabies had 66% possession for the second half. Um, they beat 29 defenders to England's 17, um, but they only got two offloads away to, to England's seven. Um, and they made... 86 tackle attempts to England's 182. So, you know, we've we've spoken over the first two games about Australia having to, you know, defend for half an hour at time, almost exclusively in both first halves of the first two tests. But they finally had the ball tonight, Jim, and and they just it's 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 going to be missed opportunities, isn't it? Yeah, and the England did it very well. Uh, they were happy to uh, 
absorbed the pressure. They they knew yeah. what was coming at them in, in a way and um, any imprecision with a clean out on the Aussie side and there was England's hands going in there. Yeah, but Players like uh, Courtney Law's outstanding. It was incredible, in wasn't he? Unbelievable. And he just had a real sense for it. And you look at the flip side, and Australia wasn't getting... Uh, getting those balls back. Uh, Pete Samu affected a good one late in the game. Yeah. But it's just not an element in our back row. Um, I don't want to say the obvious, but it's just not an element in our back row all the time. Like for England, it is all the time. And if you look yeah. at the Irish, the way they play against the All Blacks, it's in their game all the time. Mm. And that perhaps is a huge area that we have to improve. Yeah, yeah, certainly was. It was an interesting little subplot tonight. Um, Harry, Eddie Jones went to his bench and and replaced Danny Kerr on 36 minutes. Dave Rennie held Nick White in the contest until the hour mark. And uh, Jack van Portfleet had come on and had immediate impact in he was He was very, very good. Yeah, Eddie has a strange and tortured relationship with Danny Kerr. Um, he, mm. he, he, he made him a backup for years and years when he probably should have been starting. Then he axed him um, post-2015, uh, relegated him, uh, and then he brings him back when he's 35 years old um, and, 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 and then benches him at 36 minutes. Strangely enough, it paid off. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure Danny Kerr was playing that badly, but I think Jack uh, did bring a better kick on the night, uh, and also that, that fateful two minutes right before uh, Oranges mm. when the, when I think the match actually turned because I think uh, the Wallabies had been playing nice and tight up to that point, and they were being very careful with uh, mm. the loops. I think in this, I think I think when it opened up, it almost lured Australia to to uh, Rob's point to uh, Jim's point is the they started throwing these massive passes to the side, mm. which actually made in- England's job easier to defend instead of doing the patient, you know, burst up the middle and then a tip yeah. pass, tip pass. Yeah. And it, 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 I think in a way also, to, also to Jim's point about the physicality of it, you know, you needed on that night, big boy test rugby, cleaning low. And even though I like Nick Frost, I think he was good. I don't think he cleaned very well. And, and um, uh, Michael Hooper doesn't really clean that well. So yeah. you, you had a, an absence of people arriving at the right time to clean. And those 18 phases, 12 phases, 16 phases came to naught. Yeah, yeah. There was a few a few moments like that. Conversely, I, I thought it was a uh, – there was – I think it was viewed as an interesting call that, that Tate McDermott was brought in for, uh, for, for Jake Gordon. I don't really think Gordon had done – much wrong in the last two minutes, and I think in the last two tests, I beg your pardon. And um, I'm not sure McDermott had a great time of it that last 20 minutes. I think when he came on, there was a there was a noticeable difference in his service to Whites, and uh, there'll be a few moments that he uh, he he lives over tonight um, and, and for the rest of this week, and probably for a few weeks, I'd, I'd reckon, as we move into the rugby championship. As we've done all series, um, we've we've done our immediate thoughts, I suppose. So let's let's we've effectively done the headlines, I guess. So let's just go straight into to stocks rising and, and falling. Um, Jim, hit us hit us off. Who who did stand out for you tonight for the Wallabies? Uh, well, I, I think Nick Frost. You have to say yeah. uh, first starting test plays eighty minutes, bang. Um, effort areas like charge mm. down our effort areas. Uh, Danny Kerr's first kick that that was uh, a great show of intent. He made that a couple it. of runs where he timed timed his um, gallops in into space. Yeah. Um, 
late in the game when they were looking for a line-out target, it was Nick Frost five metres yeah. out. So, yeah. Uh, a number of really key areas for a really young um, player at the beginning of his career. So that cleaning and some of that uh, big boy uh, forward play that Harry's talking of, that, that will develop. But what a, a project player to have our hands on. And mm. we haven't got... Uh, uh, the likes of Rory Arnold back yet from overseas. So there there are some advances there for the, the second row stocks. But Nick Nick Frost up for me. Yeah, he was he was a he was a half volley bounce away from scoring maybe in that first mm. in that first minute. That would have been a, a hell of a start. Harry, who did you who did you write down? Who'd you who have you got? Yeah, I tried to find someone rising under my what would my headline would have been almost Australia almost or mm. Wasteful wallabies. I tried to find the people who didn't waste. I think Falau Faenga actually yep. made a really good burst. So I'm gonna he, he'd be my understudy on on the rising. I suppose this sounds strange, but I'm gonna say Samu Karevi. I think it rose even more because on a night when you just if you imagined the wallabies without Karevi, I think it would have been very very grim. Uh, there were moments when he single handedly just took five English players on his back and carried yep. them. Um, and I think uh, he just oh, he just needed a little bit of help sometimes, just a little bit of help. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not a bad not a bad shout too. I uh, Nick Frost was the first name I wrote down. The second I wrote down was was Reese Hodge, who I thought was pretty good at fullback, apart from that that one little error early on, Jim. But the, but the the name of of settled on the end. Tom Wright was excellent uh, in, in the mm. end. Just every time he he got the ball, he. That you just weren't quite sure what was going to happen, and, and I think that made him so dangerous in attack. He made lots of breaks, um, finished that try so well uh, in the first half, and he's uh, he's done his future selection um, opportunities no harm at all tonight. You um, you, you scrunched your face up at me, Jim. There when I mentioned Reese Hodge. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, yeah. we spoke at the end of Twickenham last November, and we said, "Wouldn't it be great to have a Freddie Stewart?" Yes. In yes. And we haven't got one. Uh, we didn't mm. see enough of Jordan Patea in the second test to, to judge him where, where that might have been exciting. I, I just, Reese Hodge, he just doesn't give you enough. He no. just doesn't give you enough. He, he is, and I'm comparing him to other outstanding fullbacks around the world, and he's a notch below, and he, he can kick balls 50 metres and so mm. on, but he, he's not not that punchy, thrustful fullback that we need to win a World Cup. And that's what we're talking of. We're talking about yeah. the elite players to win World Cups or at least win a semi-final. Yeah, I guess where I'm coming from, you know what you're going to get with Hodge. Um, and and he played to that tonight, uh, which is which is, I guess was considering the um, the, the casualty ward just with the, within the Wallabies number 15 jersey. That's probably what exactly what Dave Rennie wanted tonight. Uh, Harry, we... We said just before Jim actually joined us that that I felt like this was the first time I really noticed Freddie Stewart um, tonight in this series. But you certainly see the difference when he's on and what England looked like in attack because he was he was really good. Yeah, yeah. So we differ a little bit on that. I actually I think he'd be my player of the series. Yeah, um, in the and sense we will that come to that. A lot, a lot of what he does is um, is not you know glamour or marquee mm. stuff, but it's so solid that it creates confidence around him. And I also like his ball presentment. I mean, he comes into traffic and he's, you, you get quick ball off a of 15 on a 15 meter run. I love that. Whereas to me, Reese Hodge is one of those unlucky players. And I don't like unlucky players on my team very much because they stay unlucky. 
And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like in contrast would be Ben Smith for the All Blacks, right? He's yeah. a lucky guy. Yeah. I prefer the lucky guy. Yeah, I don't know sure. why, but it's just something about sure. Reese Hodges. Like even the kick on the full when he did it, he, he seemed befuddled. And, uh, and it would be annoying, yeah. I think, at some point. Yeah. A little befuddled about the laws but, in that particular. But Freddie Stewart's so young, too. This is what yes. we forget. Hey, you kids, like, he's a lot bigger than I thought. 22. I didn't Huge. realize he was that yeah. big. He's he's six foot five or six and built like a back rower. And yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he's going to be a very, very handy player. Uh, stocks falling conversely. Harry, do you want to keep us going there? I have never been a Michael Hooper basher. I think mm-hmm. the guy plays with more heart than anyone. Um, having been at Newlands right next to him before, he's, I mean, you, I look down on him considerably. He's not a big guy to play in the packs. I just feel like there were moments in this match when uh, the captaincy was lacking a little bit. Um, I actually think Hooper should continue to play, but not be the captain and, yeah. uh, and find someone who's a little more um, uh, inspirational in terms of the verbals. I think sometimes, you know, they would just um, continue to try the same thing over and yeah. over and over. And it was too predictable for England to work out. So, I, it's, look, I didn't think the Wallabies played badly at all. It was just this cutting edge they missed. And they I just saw a look at leadership. Just weren't yeah. quite good enough, were they? There's, when you say that, there is only one other option that comes to mind. So I'm intrigued to know who you think it perhaps should be if it's not Hooper. Uh, this is going to sound really ridiculous, but I would probably make Nick White captain. That's, that's, that's who <laughs> I, that's, that, was, that was the only other person I could think of. That was I the easy. I think he has tactical awareness sometimes. Yeah. He seems to make a lot of good decisions. And yeah. I think it would also call, it might calm him down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Ref, referees around the world uh, unite in hope on that front. Uh, Jim, who um, who did you have to mark down tonight? Oh, I think series-wise, um, it would be Rob Liotta for me. Like, yeah. I wanted more from him. Uh, he had a 15-minute burst in one test where the, the mullet was flowing and he was ripping in. And I just thought he was a bit invisible. Unfair to mark him on tonight because he was a yes. uh, placement late in the game. But for a guy that uh, perhaps promised what we wanted, a big rampaging uh, back rower, he, he didn't really um, have any impact on the mm. series whatsoever. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I, I, I thought I've, I've mentioned McDermott and, and, and Noah Lolasio will, will come up in conversation and that will be maybe a little bit hard. I was, I was really disappointed in Taniela Tupo. Tonight, I don't think he had a, had a great game. Didn't carry particularly well through a couple of really really bad passes that left Australia in uh, in, in tricky situations. Got pinged at the scrum a couple of times. I'm not entirely convinced Jimmy's 100 percent fit. Um, I we'll, I, guess, I guess we see. We head to the Wallabies head to Argentina next, and um, he's got to, he's going to have to be right over there, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. We need uh, our best scrummaging unit going to Argentina and Michael Checker will be uh, waiting with the ambush there, mm. the giant big uh, steak and a, and a funny <laughs> yeah. hat yeah. looking the part um, over there. Um, yeah, uh, Taniella, I think it, it's to me it's more reflective of where my man of the series comes from and that's yep. from the, the engine room of the English side. I thought Genge, uh, it's difficult, like in years gone by, props at Amble through 80 minutes and uh, you get a full view. Now you've got to judge them on 50 minutes. And yes, I thought yes. it was absolutely outstanding um, yeah. in setting the tone. Uh, Courtney Laws, 
uh, and Vinopolo as well. I'd have all three of those guys ahead of a fancy Dan back as player of the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Genge was was fantastic across all three tests, wasn't he? Um, just had Tupo's measure the whole time. Uh, you've you've mentioned Freddie Stewart as your man of the, man of the series. Harry, you're, you're sticking there? Yeah, I just think he brought solidity. And I think, you know, each game had a different set, set of heroes. But for me, he was one of those guys, first one written down, obvious one written down. You know, for Eddie, it was it was um, you know a bulwark, yeah. And and I think he he's also he's also one of those guys who he seems to be happy. I think England in this match, I watched them smiling more than Australia. Yeah. I feel like they enjoyed their rugby a little more. I, I'm going to speak up also for the, the villain of the series, Johnny Hill, and say that he had yeah. a hell of a match. He was pretty uh, good tonight, match. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. it was pretty yeah. good. I've I've got it. Courtney Laws was just absolutely outstanding, and I, I think he got better. Each game, and he was just phenomenal mm. tonight. But he must have picked up maybe three or four pilfer penalties on his, on his own when when England needed a, needed a big moment in defence in their own half, particularly, and they were there a lot in this second in the second half tonight. Um, it was Laws that came up with it more often than not. And he, you talk about leadership before Harry. He's just he's just exceptional, isn't he? Yeah, no, and, and and I think he's one of those quiet leaders. You know, he, he brings so much oomph on every hit. Um, it, it doesn't. So it's it's like Hooper in a sense, but yeah. I think he's maybe a little bit more um, uh, astute tactically. Yeah. Uh, I also would would say Marcus Smith had his best match. And yeah, he, I'd agree with I'm that. Not, I'm not sure he's being used correctly yet still. Yeah. But he found the ball. He was really a terrier on defense. Yeah. Uh, I felt like he he tackled way above his weight. It looked uh, like they it, played to him more in, in attack tonight. Yeah. It, it looked like they actually let him play more. And, so. and, yeah. and, and, and Stewart was probably a, a big beneficiary of that. So that was that was a big change. Um, we we can't really talk about, you know, where to now for, for the Wallabies, but maybe just a, a quick final word before we move on to, to New Zealand Island, which, which wound up tonight. A, a quick one there, Jim, to, to wrap up the Wallabies. Well, uh, here we had Eddie Jones arrive in Australia with his career in doubt and was he heading to Barbados to sit in, under a coconut tree and watch cricket? Uh, Eddie Jones is locked in. He's going to the World Cup. He's smiling. Top of the world again with the Fleet Street uh, media. Um, that's huge for, for England and Eddie's stocks. And th- this was sort of a series where he said the, the Brisbane test and the Sydney test, they were like uh, the, the finals atmosphere. Yes, preparation to take to a world cup you know yeah. what it's like everything's on the line and still australia they had two chances to win this series you got to think mm. not one two mm. and they didn't get them get it done in either of them so uh my takeaway is australians never play enough sudden death finals footy yeah uh, we v- barely get teams in a final of super rugby a bit of a snippet semi-finals and the poms and the europeans are always playing um, English Premiership games, French Premiership finals, European, European Cup games, Cup yeah, yeah, just, and they're just steeled more for those sudden death games, and that's a real work on for us. Yeah, it's a it's a really good moment. I, I mentioned again to Harry earlier. Um, it wasn't. I actually wrote it down when when Lollasia converted Wright's try the twenty sixth minute. That was the first time the Wallabies had led in the first half all series. Um, and you know that just that just don't have that ability to go on. Harry, a, a quick word to finish up the Wallabies. Yeah, it is a worry. Uh, I agree with Jim. It, this this shaped and felt like a knockout match in a World Cup very much. Um, it was the same aura, the same 
uh, electricity. You have Australia having 12 phases in the 22 one time and not taking uh, a drop goal or shaping for it. You have 74 minutes, you have 18 phases, 30 meters gained, and nothing comes of it. And then you have another one where you have, I think it was 11 phases, set attack, line out move, 62 minutes. The, my worry there is why are the Wallabies uh, getting isolated so much in a tackle? Um, that's not just yes. cleaning sometimes. It's also it's also going down blind, blind yep. alleys. Corabetti yep. sometimes did, did that. Yep. Uh, Reese Hodge did it too. So I think in, in, that's that's a, an attack pattern shape that has to be fixed or yeah. it's too easy in knockout matches for the ref to ping you. It's just it's yeah. obvious after six or seven, eight phases, you're almost waiting for the guy to get over the ball, and sure yeah. enough, there he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in that same, I'm in that same wasteful wallabies theme, and it, and it sort of feels like it's deja vu all over again. It feels like we've been in this position before, where we're, you know, lamenting the wallabies' inability to finish opportunities, particularly when they create so much. I mean, it's it's one thing to tackle themselves to a standstill across the first first two tests, but this was an opportunity where they had as much ball as they could as they could do with it and um and they just couldn't do what they needed to do with it when it counted the most we saw a little bit of history earlier tonight uh with ireland winning the third test 32 22 um an absolutely incredible finish to that game And they fully deserve to do it. Jim, you've watched a lot of rugby in your lifetime. Um, this has just been a fantastic series in New Zealand, isn't it? Uh, exceptional for all the, the reasons that no one imagined Ireland could pull it off. They can imagine maybe uh, winning one test mm. to win a series and to actually, as Kieran Reid said... And again I'm, from 1-0 down three. too. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and for Kieran Reid, post-match... Uh, in the commentary to confess um, Ireland absolutely wiped the floor with us in the first half. And that is exactly what happened. They played mm. exceptionally well, played to their patterns. And once again, the All Blacks um, couldn't change change up or adapt yep. for long periods in a match. Uh, they almost needed half time to, for someone to say, you have to do this differently. And, and that's mm. a real worry for them. They, they just... Um, weren't able to adapt on the run, but yep. it was an exceptional Irish performance. A uh, good little fight back from the Kiwis, but they really have some uh, big thinking to do mm. and over a coach, perhaps. Well, I already I already noticed that that Foster out is already trending on on uh, on Twitter tonight. So there'll be all sorts of discussions being had in New Zealand over the next few weeks. Harry, what did you make of Ireland's performance? Yeah, you ha- you have to talk about the coaching uh, team, mm. the entire coaching team. Uh, this is shaping to be the worst New Zealand year since 1998. Uh, it's only the eighth time they've given up 30 points at home. They only give up 30 points about once every 20 years yep. uh, at home. Ireland led for 70% of the series, so it was a real shellacking. Um, and you have some people like Jordy Barrett, uh, Bowden Barrett, uh, outplayed by their opposite numbers comprehensively. And it looks like they own the jersey for some reason when you have, a, mm. you have other options. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I know New Zealand is a very hard task monster on their team. And so the public is not going to put up with this. No. Uh, <laughs> there would have to be some tremendous revival and maybe it's coming. Who knows? But 
I, I do think Andy Farrell outcoached uh, Ian Foster. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's the New Zealand's first series loss at home since the French beat them over two tests in 1994. It's their first three-game series loss since Australia beat them in 1986. So um, doesn't happen at home very often. And, and as we say, there'll be a lot of soul searching going on um, over the Tasman next over the next few weeks. And uh, I almost almost fear for South Africa a little bit. Harry, because they've got New Zealand up first in the in the rugby championships, that will be that will be interesting. The Pacific Nations Cup wrapped up uh, earlier today as well. Australia A beat Tonga thirty nine twenty two, and I've got to say I was disappointed with Tonga this um, this series. They uh, promised a lot, didn't really show it, um, and Samoa scored a late try to beat Fiji twenty three twenty, and that was enough for them to claim the Pacific Nations Cup title. That's been a great little mini series as well. Um, but I think guys. That's where we'll call it um, on this Wallabies England Instant Reaction podcast series. Thanks to both of you for um, for joining us. This has been a really interesting little exercise. I really and really enjoyed these chats. Um, thanks, thanks so much for popping on over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I've got to say, uh, you really do uh, still have it in your blood, don't you? Uh, having yeah. just watched the test. Yeah, you, you do. do. Those um, edgy emotions about uh, your thoughts on players and what happened or. Uh, yeah, I, I need a toy here to throw it out of the car. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely need it's, something. It's like group. It's like group therapy. If I believe there's <laughs> such things, that's it. That's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And we'll have all the fallout from England's win tomorrow and through the week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite rugby analysis and opinions. Thanks so much for your company on these instant pods. It's been great to hear. They've been so well received through the series. Uh, and we will be back through the Rugby Championship begins the weekend of August 6th and 7th.